Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to hear this. I'm Mike Sazza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, this is bad. This is very bad, Mike. Is this the worst? Is this the lowest point of our podcasting time together? Not, not for me and you, but for West Virginia football. Yeah. A 13-point loss in overtime is kind of unique and extenuating. And it's the Kansas, and I have a lot of thoughts. I just want to jump into this. Um, I'm not allowed to swear, right? No, I think we have to like get that cleared. Okay. So, uh, too much dumb s. Yes, that's not me. That's not a fan in section 108. That's not a parent as I walk the parent parking lot. That's quarterback J T. Daniels. Um, <laughs> accurately. Honestly, I, I would say parenthetically, too, he didn't come out and lead off that. He didn't volunteer it himself. It was part of the answer to another question, but he was talking about, like we always seem to talk about, that you got to get out of your own way sometimes. And he just said too much dumb stuff. Um, you can't get a false start on third and one on the goal line, uh, or fourth and one on the goal line. You can't get a rough in the passer to extend other team's drive. You can't, you can't, you can't. And yet, Chris, this team just continues to step on the rake um this season last season previous seasons um and it was it was a big deal tonight they played horrifically on defense they played at times wonderfully on offense um and yet when creating or given the opportunities to do something right to the very end hurt themselves it's a continuing trend and I think it's a really bad look for a head coach that these things just continue to happen. And now you have a team that gave up 55 in front of 52,000 people days after you pleaded with them to come out and support the team and stick with them. Um, you lose to Kansas, you got to deal with it. I want to go first with the, the too much dumb S, specifically the penalties, because there were some big ones, like huge ones, obviously. Um, Looking at a handful of them, the first one of note, pass interference on Malachi Ruffin. Again, they go right at, you know, the former walk-on who's stepping in and having to play early. And that results in a first down into the red zone, eventually leading to a touchdown for Kansas. The next one, uh, false start on Jaquay Hubbard. West Virginia has first and goal from the five, down 11 points. Now it's first and 10. First and 10, a lot harder than first and five. Couple plays later, fourth and one from fourth and goal from inside the one. Traylon Davis, who I believe has played like three snaps and has a really big drop from the pit game, and then this. Um, now it's fourth and six. They have to settle for a field goal. I mean, it, you don't know what happens after that, but if it's it's a touchdown and another touchdown, West Virginia wins it in regulation. And that's that. Um, and then of course the roughing the passer on Austin. Um, first and goal for Kansas instead of a field goal attempt from 40-plus yards in overtime. I mean, these, these are huge plays where and just unnecessary. You know, these aren't, these aren't the effort penalties, and it wasn't, it, weren't, it wasn't the effort penalties last time either. These are mental mistakes. These are just not being prepared, not being ready for the moment um, like these false starts are. That's what those are. The uh, roughing the passer. I'm trying to remember what Neil Brown calls him. 
Um, but with those type of penalties, selfish penalties or stupid penalties, I can't remember what he called them, but that that's what that is. And it cost West Virginia dearly today. And we haven't even got to talking about the defense yet. I mean, I know you mentioned it, but my God. Listen, bad teams are going to give up almost 500 yards to Kansas, and they're going to lose. Um, I wouldn't say good teams. Teams that are better than bad will give up almost 500 yards to Kansas, but create the openings, create the possibilities to seize on and win the game. The bad teams will squander those opportunities, and you're looking at a team that's 0-2 right now for the first time since 1979. Mountaineer Field has never seen an 0-2 West Virginia team before. Think about that. Um, Got one now because they give up 55 to Kansas, and – Listen, you could put on a lot of stuff. You could put on the defense, whatever. But similar to last week, they're right there. Like they're right there at the end. And this time, unfortunately, it's it's for for him. Unfortunately for JT Daniels, has a great game and throws the pass probably one too many times. And and he says it. Bryce Ford Wheaton says it. I'm sure the cornerback Kobe Bryant says it. Saw it coming. Um, jumped it. It's a RPO play. That's a stick on the back end of it. It happened a bunch. It's a good play. It's an easy catch. But he was ready for it. They were ready for that situation. Um, and it boils down to that unfairly because he played great, but also because it's that, that that opening is there because so many things went bad before that, and so many things that couldn't go wrong at the time they could not go wrong went wrong, which is almost predictable at some point. I'm not saying you're expecting Traylon Davis to jump. You're expecting Taj Austin to you know rough the passer, but there just seems to be that cloud that hovers ahead, like the, like the, the pendulum swings above them for some reason. It's not just the season. It's past seasons where just something bad happens and costs can't complete a pass they can't not commit a penalty something happens yeah this is not the first time we've had this post-game podcast where we've let it off with can you believe west virginia made mental mistake x in key moment y and and when you have that conversation repeatedly you know when you have it a couple times you know when you have it once you think hey it happens uh when you have it a couple times you know especially like in that first season, when it was a lot of young guys, you can say, hey, these are some young guys. You know, they, they're still getting used to this, to college, to the moment, to the spotlight. But when it's happening in year four with veterans or you're putting in freshmen still in year four that are making those mistakes in the instant. I mean, I read redshirt freshman for Traylon Davis. Like, that's a trend. It's a, it's a trend. It's I think it's been a trend. We've talked about it a lot on here before. Um, and, and now this trend has gone too far. How much trouble is Neil Brennan, Chris? It's bad. I mean, you get you can't go, you can't be a sub five hundred coach that starts the year zero and two in year four in the year twenty twenty two. You can't. I mean, we've seen coaches get fired for far worse, far less than that. Far less already. Like in this day and age, you know, maybe this, I don't even think this flies, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, and, and now you're in year four, you're 0 and 2, starting things off with one of the worst losses. I mean, this is just like you, you can't give up 50 points to Kansas and lose at home in your home opener. Um, and, and especially the way that they did. And so it's, I, I, it's bad. Like it's it, he is in a very bad spot, and I'm not sure what it, it would take something extraordinary 
to make this not be the last season. I think. I think. I mean, we're talking, you know, rattling off seven of the next eight games or something, something like that. I mean, I don't think I'm out of hand saying that. Yeah, and by the way, you don't get to play Kansas the rest of the way, right? Because they beat you in the second game of the season. Um, I, I give Brown and his staff and the administration a lot of credit in the offseason. I thought their offseason, all things considered, was about as good as you could expect it to get. Could they have stuck the landing on more transfers? Sure. Could they have upgraded positions more? Sure. But you got to remember, it's a sub-500 program. Um, it does not have a recent winning tradition. You're not going to lure players from here. Um, could they have used more receivers? Sure. But by the time the Daniels got here, a lot of them were somewhere else. Could they have used an extra offensive lineman? Sure. But... They also have a lot of players here on their class, and that's not the most inviting situation for an offensive lineman. What I'm saying is that I think by getting JT Daniels and some of the cornerbacks they got, at the very least, they had a plan, and they fulfilled their vision. Agree with the plan, disagree with the plan. In May, June, July, all you can say is they had a plan, and they fulfilled it. It doesn't matter once the game starts, and right now, quarterback nailed it. I don't know what the deal is in these transfers yet. And if they whipped on some transfers, whether it's linebackers or if it's cornerbacks, that's bad. Do they need an extra receiver? I mean, I don't know. Caden Breather was certainly promising tonight, so I don't think you'd put that one out to pasture yet. But the offensive line is, again, not the problem, I don't think, especially today. So I'm not even sure you can say that they've had a bad offseason, but it almost is inconsequential because the games matter. And whatever it takes to win the game is not here and, and it's just like small stuff but like after the false start on fourth and one they got to delay a game too right yeah that's just confused and disorganized and, and like if you're if you're running around in a situation like that you really want to have things operating more crisply and where do you look you look to the sideline if the sideline can't get a playoff or can't get things in and out quickly enough i mean what does that matter it doesn't you still kick the field goal but just an odd look to me right now too and i think i think it is trouble i think he's on the wrong side of the fence right now he certainly has time to climb over it but if you've gotten here so quickly this season and in the in the midst of your fourth season, how tall is that fence to scale? I don't know that yet, and maybe we won't know. Um, and this is just an odd week because, you know, they, they say these things sometimes about how they're this close and they're a better team and we'll be there, we'll get better, whether it's after the pick game or if it's after the Oklahoma game last year, and it has not followed through. And I wonder sometimes if they're trying to convince the media and the fans or if they're trying to convince themselves. And I don't know the answer to that one either. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I had about a million people tweet me the video from after the pit game uh, of Neil Brown pleading for the fans to come out. And um, I'm with you. Like, who were they trying to convince with that? Were they really trying to convince the fans? Were they trying to show support for their for their players, trying to convince themselves? I'm not sure. And I think uh, you, you talked about the offseason there. And I think they crushed the offensive side. What they did, I mean, you've got a five-star quarterback who looks like a five-star quarterback, who looks like an NFL player. Um, and you got an offensive coordinator who seems to have an offense that is ready to make big plays and to do their half of what you need to do to win games. But I, I don't think they ignored what was happening on defense, but I think you just lost all those transfers. And I think everyone assumed, including myself, I think there's, there's audio right here, like two weeks ago, me saying, you know, hey, you know, lost Air Porter. He's a good player, but if you had one year, wouldn't you take Wesley McCormick? 
if you had one year, wouldn't you take Rashad Ajayi over um, uh, whoever else left at, at corner again? It's like, yeah, I think so. But the answer is no right now. I mean, it, it's been horrendous in the back end. It wasn't even close. And I think, I don't think they, again, I don't think they ignored what was going on over there, but I'm with you in that. I think they've whiffed on several of these early on. It looks like they have whiffed on several of those additions that they have used to try to replace the guys they lost on that side of the ball. And the way that West Virginia's defense has played over the last three years kind of had fans and, and, and myself kind of just assuming, yeah, they get it figured out. I mean, look, look what they've done each of the last three years, like with all the pieces they have and don't have, they figured it out and they've been fine. Um, they are not fine right now. Um, no, and here's here's an issue. Um, their defensive line got pushed around tonight. Yeah. Just did. Um, the running game was very effective for Kansas, but also like just the things that Kansas wanted to do by going on balance and using multiple tight ends, it worked. And they were I mean, they were they were more physical up front. They just definitely were better on their offensive line than West Virginia's defensive line was. But beyond that, they really looked confused and lost and and I would I would assume that players are not following directions. Like I just I cannot like watching Jordan Leslie's defense the past few years, like his guys don't play cushioned on third down and back up to pass the sticks. And it's like Candace was like, wait a minute, it's third and seven. You're off 10 yards off the ball and you're backpedaling. I'm just going to run seven yards and turn around and catch it. And the quarterback knew it and it was there. And like, that's just not what they do. And, and they did it tonight. And and all the motion and the pre-snap stuff, like you could tell it scrambled them. It just absolutely did. And they were messing up their leverages. Their safeties were really deep over the slot receivers. I had a couple of people. Uh, including a coach, not not a college football coach, but like a, uh, I mean, not a head coach, but like, what the heck are they doing <laughs> with the with the safety or with the slot? Because that guy would just gobble up the yardage he needed, sit down and catch the pass, and just everything that they wanted to do on offense got him. And 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 the, like this was the warning I think from, and we talked about it in the pregame podcast, and Jordan Leslie mentioned as well, like they set you up to knock you down. And, and they use all of their, their sleight of hand to make plays, and they did that tonight. And I just want they weren't prepared. They couldn't communicate it, but that's bad. And you look at the people who were involved, it's you know it's the transfer middle linebacker. It's a transfer safety. It's a transfer cornerback. And these are guys who are going to have to play and play better right now. It doesn't look like that this is going in the right direction at all. Um, and, and you're going to get fool's gold next week. Like They'll probably hammer Towson, and it doesn't matter. That's what's the most unusual thing here is that there's – this game is maybe a referendum on Brown. There's no bounce back next week. And then, by the way, you have the extremely unusual situation of playing Saturday, Thursday, going on the road. So next week better be really good practices because it's going to happen fast, and this is a team that needs to take a breath and keep its head above water. But I don't know how much momentum or, or confidence you get from beating an FCS team next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, because this was, this was, I had, you know, kind of just a little bit of, hey, whatever happens today, don't read too much into it, at least as, if things went well. You know, if West Virginia beat Kansas by a lot or, or beat them by three touchdowns, whatever, just don't take too much into account on that one because it's Kansas and then they're going to play Towson. So I wasn't sure when the next time 
we were really going to be able to get a read on this team uh, because, I again, Kansas, Towson, I think there you go. Maybe that Virginia Tech game. Again, it's in Blacksburg, so that's that one. Maybe you can read something off it. Now Virginia Tech, of course, is winning tonight, so maybe they're a little tougher than, than we originally assumed after they lost to Old Dominion. But this is that I don't think any nothing gets solved, nothing gets figured out with this team until that defense gets solved because when you look at Kansas's touchdown drives, they had seven touchdown drives not counting the pick six and overtime there. They were forced into third down 12 times on those drives and converted 11 of them. And then the other, the one time they didn't, they converted on fourth down. Yeah. Like it, they had no issue getting a first down against West Virginia's defense. I mean, West Virginia at times was getting it down into, you know, again, third down, whatnot, but it was not happening once they got to third down. It did not matter. And, I mean, I'd like to spend, like, another 30 minutes on this defense. I don't think we need to spend that much time on it, but it's difficult to put into words what they put out there today. Um, because there were times, there was one play, I think it was the 30-yard touchdown run by Kansas. And no one touched the guy until he was 27 yards downfield. And the moment he cut back towards the line of scrimmage, Taj Alston pushed off of his the guy that was blocking him, turned, saw there was no defender within 20 yards of the rusher, and just threw his hands in the air, like looking in the back, like the second and third line, like, what the hell are you guys doing? What are you doing? And immediately there was finger pointing, yelling, shrugging, arms up in the air. And it happened 10 times tonight. Guys just mad at each other. Guys obviously not in the right lanes, not being where they're supposed to be, and a lot of finger pointing. And, you know, it, it was brought up routinely by the, the TV commentators. You know, I'm watching from afar. Mike's there on the in the press box, so you'll be able to add a different uh, perspective here. But it was brought up repeatedly on the television broadcast about just how bad West Virginia's body language was on defense because it seemed like they knew they were bad. They knew they were in the wrong spots, and everybody was blaming everybody else on that side of the ball. I thought they were spooked a lot of times tonight that once one bad thing happened, another bad thing happened, all of a sudden they got into the situations where they were kind of in the crucible and they expected something bad to happen. Those third downs did not seem like they were very confident to me. Um, again, like I just saw things that don't make sense. Like I just, I just don't think that Jordan Leslie or Shadon Brown are having their corners backpedal on third and six. I just don't think that's what it is. I don't know where man to man went with this team. They might not be able to play it, but you're certainly, if you're in a zone, you're not playing with that much cushion when you're trying to defend six, seven yards. So I just think that they got stuck in a bad spot and their confidence is just drained and they were getting picked apart and they knew when they saw motion or a funky formation or a weird shift, they knew something was coming and they were spooked again. I don't know if that's the right word, but it seems like the best word for me is that, you know, Bad plays beget bad expectations, and sooner or later you start to really look for the hammer to come down on you. That seemed like what it was going to happen, uh, and then ultimately it did happen here too. Um, I'm looking at their third down numbers here that I've jotted down. I have them 11 for 15, correct? Yeah. Um, I think Daniels was 7 for 8 passing and converted them every time. Um, and then I only have one fourth and long. So out of their 15, 
third downs. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine required fewer than five yards. One required more than nine. Mm. That's really easy football. And again, like if you're if you're in between distances there, a team can throw the entire playbook at you. You know, um, if you're third and one, you're expecting a run. Third and ten, you're expecting a pass. Third and five, third and six, you don't know. Third and four, you don't know. And that seeded doubt definitely was in them. And, and listen, they're going to need some better answers than, you know, our fundamentals weren't there. And, you know, it just takes a little bit of improvement, this and that. They're going to have to explain some things, whether it's personnel, whether it's, it, you know, Jordan Leslie is typically pretty honest, but, you know, sometimes coaches can be cliches when they're in a defensive position. And I think that this entire staff is probably in a defensive position right now. If it's just fundamentals and lack of technique, that's not a good enough answer. You know, was it indeed people who were bailing on assignments and doing something different? Were they playing off script? Were they looking out for their own their own well-being? I don't know. Um, you just didn't see a lot of the stuff tonight that you saw against Pitt. And that was still, you know, 38 points given up there. Uh, 55 tonight, really just 49, just. <laughs> um, it just seemed like, again, this is what happens to teams. When, when it's going bad, it's going bad. And you could just kind of tell that something bad was continually happening to them, too. Um, they're not going to fire Neil Brown right now. I don't know what to tell people. I'm sure that people are going to be wanting to us to, to advocate for change or to ask the hard questions. I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, they're not going to fire him because they're going to beat Towson. And, you know, if they lose to Tech, maybe you'll leave him in Blacksburg. I don't know. Maybe you're kiffing him on the runway. I'm not sure. I think that's a bus ride, though. But that's a heck of a check you got to scratch. And I just don't know if they're going to do that. And I think that. There's so much time left in the season, and he has rallied the troops a couple times. Maybe it works out. The trouble is they still have really good teams left. And can they – I mean, here's your answer, Chris. Can they win six times before they lose five times? And the answer to that question will tell you whether I think Neil Brown is coaching next year. Yep. Bingo. Um, and yeah, to follow up on your point about him again, yeah, I know that's what everybody's calling for tonight. I think there's seen a million posts on our message board, uh, tweeted at us a thousand times. Um, Twenty point two million, if you include the remainder of this year's salary, to buy him out. You're kidding me. No, it's it's sixteen million after this year, so sixteen million plus the remainder of his salary this year. Um, so his salary this year, after everything, I think is around four million. So. The answer is upwards of, again, if you're counting paying for this year, if you're firing him right now, you're talking about $20 million. Um, two, if you fire him, who's going to finish out the year as interim head coach? Uh, is it going to be Jordan Leslie, who's the most like senior um, a coach, you know, coordinator on this team, except you know that's the defense that's just getting shredded right now? Are you going with... Um, Offensive line coach Matt Moore, who I believe is like a associate head coach uh, as far as titles go, um, with the struggles that the offensive line has had the last couple of years. Are you going with Graham Harrell because the offense is good and he's but he's only been here for what six months, seven months? I, I don't know if you're you're doing that either. So I know the rash screaming, uh, you know, feelings are get it done, get it done, get it done now. It's now's not the time. Now's not the time. You got to give it a few weeks, try to figure out what's going on, and then you got to make a decision. Now, am I saying, hey, hey, lock in Neil Brown for the next five years? I'm not saying that, but he's going to have a few weeks to try to figure this out, and West Virginia's going to have some time to try to figure it out. But he's going to have to have an otherworldly type of run for the remainder of the year 
to stay safe. Schedule's hard too. It just yeah. is. Like again, that I, I, people thought we were crazy that this game was going to be hard. Like people thought that we were just like you guys on your podcast. You always give the opponent too much credit. Um, no, did not. Um, yeah, did you see it? I did the Kansas podcast, and they asked. He asked me who I'd pick at thirteen and a half, and I was like, that is so many points. I don't know if I can take West Virginia, and, and I caught hell from all the West Virginia fans who listen to it. it, it the, the, I'm not saying Kansas is good, like good, good, but they have some talent, and, and West Virginia has some questions. Obviously. And nobody wants to hear that this could be one of the most improved teams in the country. Nobody wants to hear that. Like yeah. you should beat Kansas if you're a 13 point favorite at home. And if you're as good as you think you are, if you think that if the team that thinks that they would see Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game last year thought that it had its act together, it was going to be really good, not because of, but after it lost to Pitt, then you take care of this at home tonight. Um, you don't. And again, I don't I don't optics are one thing. I don't understand the Twitter video. I don't know what will follow now. But like those are those are odd looks. And that's, you know, if you compound all these things, too, you, you have a weird picture and that's going to be unusual. But. That I, I do think if it's not 20 million, I think the experiment is certainly, I think the Bunsen burner's off, you know, and they're probably thinking about, all right, now what do we do with this thing we have in our hands? How do we clear the decks? And um, I think it's a, a huge number. It surprised me, and I thought I know the contract, but like I knew it was big. I didn't know it was that big. That's just not going to go away. And even if you mitigate it, like he's not going to say, eh, let me off, the, I'll let you guys off the hook. He's not going to do that. Why would anybody do that? Right. They signed to that extension. He didn't go in asking for it. I'm sure he probably was welcoming it or whatever. But like ultimately, they put that number in front of him. Now we have said this before too. If you um, if you do the contract, it's because you can get out of it. Like you 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 have the extension because you can pay the buyout. We'll see. I think that's the application. Um, I think that's the idea. I'm not I'm not so confident that's the application. I know it sounds good. I'm not sure they do it. We'll see. That's a huge, huge commitment, even if it's spread out over time, which, again, I suspect that would not happen. But um, that's going to be something they have to deal with. I think another thing is, too, if you cut it off soon, right? Again, not going to be tonight, tomorrow, anytime soon. But if if it's bad, you really got to be careful as to when you do it because you want to get in and, and get in the pool and let people know you're out looking for a coach or whatever. But also, let me ask you this, Chris, because people say you, you have to do it at such and such a time before more damage is done. Damage to what? Right. You know what I mean? Let's uh, just think about that metric. And that's a harsh thing, but like this is not a team that's won the big 12 or has been in com- competition very often. It's a team that has, has kind of by and large been around a 500 program with, it was sometimes above it, you know, by a couple of games, sometimes below it by a couple of games, but you're talking seven, six, you know, seasons, a couple of times in the middle of it now too. Um, can you do better? Sure. But like, What's the rush? I guess you're not, you're not, this isn't like a, they're not hanging banners here. Right. And all of a sudden you're, you're seeing him get further and further away from you. You just got to get it right eventually. And one of the things for Brown this year was that sure, sometimes coaches are going to get themselves in trouble, but good coaches get themselves out of it. And now you're trying to see, can he get himself out of it? You know, you thought the off season was indicative of a guy who maybe can make the change. Well, that didn't work out so well. What can he do now? What can he do with Owen two? Because like, like I said just during the game, he's he's in the jungle now. He's got to find his way out. Yeah, all this talk of uh, the the damage, like you were mentioning, that's that's not something you're talking about unless you're getting towards the end of the year where you're having those discussions about, hey, do you fire in week nine so that you can get started on your head coaching search before you know twenty other teams get in there in week eleven and week twelve? Like that's when those conversations happen. 
when you're talking about too much damage in week two compared to, you know, later, like halfway through the season, later in the season, I think you, you jump in the gun just a little bit on on what it's actually going to do negative to, negatively to the program. Wrap it up here. I've been kind of depressing, I'm sure, but, you know, bad looks, bad signs tonight. I think if there is at least reason to believe that, that you know, there's a good offense there. And, I mean, man, you may just have to flip the keys to Daniels. By the way, Daniels would be a great interim coach. If they're going to do this, make him the interim coach. However, can they can they win these ping pong matches? I don't know. Can they beat Texas Tech? Can they beat, not beat, can they beat Texas Tech and just go back and forth and win? I don't know. That's asking a lot of Daniels and his players. And, again, they, they haven't been able to consistently – Stay out of their own way. That's going to be interesting to, to see how this goes in the future. Um, running game is okay, but, man, I'd be letting him throw the ball a lot because Orr Beaton's going to have a monster season. He's already on his yeah. way, but he's going to get a ton of targets. He's just a much different player mentally and physically. He was excellent again tonight. Uh, Daniels, 355 yards, 70% completion. The interception, yep, that happened, but just you kind of felt like they had a chance with him in the game. I think the offense is going to be okay, but they just can't get the defense linked up, and I don't know how they're going to fix that or where they would begin, but – promising thing is they have a good offense here they scored 42 and lost because they gave up 55 but 42 points is kind of unusual for a neil brown team yeah west virginia has a couple nfl players on this team and on this offense and i think that's one thing if you have and we've said this before a million times if you have a quarterback that is a difference maker like that that can buy you a couple games that you might not expect um so just because west virginia lost to kansas doesn't mean you should automatically assume that they're going to lose to Virginia Tech or they're going to lose to TCU or something like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if they got a handful of wins this year that maybe they shouldn't because JT Daniels is so special. Last time we spoke on the postgame, Chris, you asked me, what did the outcome do? Did it change the way I felt about them? I said, no, not really. That I had them as a seven and five team, and I thought that they might be able to win a game that they shouldn't, but they might they are also capable of losing a game they shouldn't. Um, I wasn't sure what Pitt was. Was that a game they could have won that they didn't? Was it a game that they shouldn't have lost, but they did? Pretty sure we know what happened here. This is a game they should win. They didn't. Um, it does change how I think about them because I just they're zero and two now. They're going to have to go seven and three to be seven and five. That, I think that's probably a long shot, but we'll see. They have a chance to improve. They have a win next week, obviously. Not as high on them now because that defense does kind of concern me. We don't know about Charles Woods. That's something we can talk about in the future, but he might not be coming back immediately. be very surprised if he played next week, especially with a short turnaround for Virginia Tech. And then again, just how do they fix the defense with the parts they have? Apart from having to grow them up, you have to grow them up in games. That's tough. Um, I'm probably a little bit more concerned about my pick and their fate this season based on what happened tonight because – Team you shouldn't lose to, and they lost. Um, my volley to you now. Does this change? I guess yes is the answer. How much does this change? To what extent um, do you feel about the outcome and the fate of this season? It does, because I think you know. Last time I said seven and five, and I had had this outside hope for eight and four because of just how good Daniels was. Daniels is as good as I thought he was last week. He's as good as I thought he was before the season started. But this secondary is so so out of their realm right now I, I it's hard to understand what exactly they were doing today um and i'm just I, I mentioned it on twitter as the game was happening i said this is this is these are things that i haven't seen since 2012 and, and some of it's even worse and 
there didn't seem to be a whole lot. There was not a whole lot of dropping eight, trying to help out, you know, drop eight and go in his own and just hope there's just enough people back there that it makes it difficult on the quarterbacks. It just seemed like some of the time that they were still pushing six, seven, going after the quarterback and leaving guys on islands. And every single, I'm trying to think of one time, one single time that a defensive back was one-on-one with a Kansas receiver or tight end and won that battle. I can't think of one, not one for the entire game. And that makes me think that this team is, is worse than I thought it was before. Yeah. Day after actually on the car ride home from Pitt, I was a passenger, so I wasn't driving and typing, but on the car ride home from Pitt, I wrote that they were, they were closer. Are they close? And that we would, we would know because they're either going to, eliminate the distance between where they are and where they want to be, or they're going to add to it, or they're going to maintain that distance. You could be closer, but not close, because they were far from where they wanted to be. Remember, they were at a crisis point. That's Neil Brown's phrase, a crisis point after the bowl game last season. There's a long way from crisis to the goal. Um, and they were closer, I think, based on their offseason and, and the promising parts of the performance against Pitt. And my question was, are they close? And would they know what to do if they were close? Um, they're not close. And they clearly don't know what to do because just more of the, the self-endangering errors. That's the frustration. That was something I asked Brown about. You know, what do you think it is? You've been here so often. Is there something that is familiar and frustrating to you in these close games? And he said, yeah, probably turnovers. Um, and, and really kind of singled out the Reese Smith turnover. A strange game for Reese Smith, too. Um, reliable player when given the opportunities. A lot of people say he hasn't been given chances enough. Um, he's their punt returner now. I don't know how often I've seen like a punt returner catch the punt above his head. That's dangerous because you can catch it and it boinks off your helmet. It pops out. That's just a bad thing. You don't want to catch the ball above your head. And then right after that, the the botch and maybe maybe the biggest play of the game as far as momentum goes because they got to stop finally. Kansas scored on six straight possessions, touchdowns, and out of seven. Um, and the exception was the time they had to punt. And they gave it right back on that turnover and Texas scored again. So that was momentum, but he just said turnovers would be the one thing. And yeah, but tonight was not solely about turnovers. Even with that mistake by Smith, you had the penalties that kept him out of it. Maybe a going for it on fourth and one had to take a field goal. Ultimately, the turnover by Daniels is the difference in the outcome. It's the final play of the game, but a lot more in between those two turnovers, I think. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You can't, you can't, there's nothing you can pin on one, but I agree. Like that was something that when, Reese Smith caught the first punt return above his head, like you mentioned. Um, coaching staff got on him right away. And then the very next punt return, it hits his helmet. That's it. You know, if you go watch the replay, it hits his helmet first before it hits his shoulder pad or his hands. And it's a fumble and it's a game changer. So that's something to keep an eye on. How that Kansas player recovered it is pretty remarkable. <laughs> That was a tough, quick catch to get to get that ball and get down before you got a bounce. And then I think people forget too. Um, Highshaw fumbled and recovered it, even though he was he was he was being tackled. He got out of the tackle and recovered his fumble, even though there were like four or five gold jerseys around there. And sometimes, again, sometimes you're unlucky, but sometimes, again, the bad things happen to you, and it's just it's just all encompassing. Um, it's probably enough piling on, Chris. What do you think? Four fumbles on the ground, zero recoveries for West Virginia. Yeah, Throwing last year they recovered four fumbles, period. They recovered three last game, uh, two of theirs and one of Pitt's. But it's a lot of balls on the ground, and, and you got to win some of those. Like, that's 
And those are two that just stand out to me. Like, they were tough plays by Kansas, but they got them both. So that's bad. Um, listen, plenty more to come here. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to talk about Towson next week. I think a lot of people are going to be wondering about the, um, I don't know, mortality rate of this program right now. We'll see. It seems like it's pretty grim. People aren't happy. I'm sure they're going to want a pound of flesh as often as possible. Um, we'll be at news conferences. We'll have analysis. We'll have conversations. We'll see what we can do. We can't fire anybody. Uh, we can't start a GoFundMe and raise $20 million. Not going to do that. Um, but listen, we can certainly talk about this, and there is plenty to talk about between now and whenever the conversation changes. Maybe it's a win against Tech. Maybe it's a loss to Tech. We'll see. But right now, as we said at the beginning, uh, in a bad spot because too much dumb stuff. Yep. Anything else, sir? That's it for me. Until then, I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.